Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And have we got a busy show in store? We'll react to the huge news that England's entire ODI squad has gone into isolation, and we'll discuss the brand-new squad selected for the Pakistan series. We'll look back at the Sri Lanka series with their head coach, Mickey Arthur, who's just arrived back in Colombo. And, of course, there'll be praise singing for Jimmy Anderson after he took his 1,000th first-class wicket. Plenty to get stuck into. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, the first order of the day, Harmi, is this extraordinary mental news that uh, England have picked, have had to pick a brand-new squad from scratch 48 hours before the first ODI against Pakistan. Just when you think that you've seen and, and or heard or read about the craziest things in the world of sport and the world of COVID-19, this is, this is just extraordinary. Most people, I think, would have, and certainly last year, uh, you know, it, it just would have been postponed, wouldn't it? But, well, you know, the, the English pride themselves on their resilience and it's no, no, the show must go on. Now the show must go on, and, and rightly so. I'm pleased that we can we can deal with what the world's you know handing out at this moment in time. The government opened the doors yesterday for a few weeks' time, and fair play to the, the ECB and everybody that's you know made the decision to 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 sort of keep the the the, the, the wheels moving and Ben Stokes as well for I don't think it's it was a it was a no brainer whether he came back in and, and captain. I think if he's playing for Durham, which he has been and he's been doing okay, um, it was right time for Ben to come back in. I think I, I quite liked what happened with Ben while he was he was having a bit of, a bit of cricket away from the limelight. But it's time to come back in. It's time to lead the country. An England captain needs must, and it's a chance to to give some players who wouldn't normally have you know, been in the squad or close to the squad 
chance to showcase their, their skills on the TV in front of a crowd and against a very, very strong, what looks a very strong Pakistan side. Um, and let's see what, what we've got. And you know, we talked about, you know, me and John Norman talked about during the week on the, on the uh, following on podcast about all we're doing at the minute is confusing the matter because we're just adding more players who are doing well into a, already an overgrown squad of players that are doing well in the white ball format to get them narrowed down for the 2020 World Cup or, or, or further squads coming down the road. This, hopefully, you know, from England's point of view, hopefully, this gets more confusing because there's nine uncapped players. They're all potentially going to get a go. If they all do well, that pool of about 23, 24 I talked about on following on during the week just might get to about 30. So, look, positive signs for England. If there's a good thing that comes out of a bad situation is that we're going we're gonna to get a look at some of the, the, you know, the best young talent that we've got. Um, and let's see what they're made of. As you mentioned, nine uncapped players. Let's uh, let's just go through them very quickly. Gloucestershire's left arm uh, medium pacer, David Payne. Um, John Simpson, uh, Middlesex uh, keeper. Phil Salt, all-rounder Lewis Gregory. Zach Crawley um, and Dan Lawrence, of course, are well-known England players, but haven't been capped in the one-day game before. Surrey's Will Jacks, Tom Helm, and uh, <laughs> a man you said a month ago you thought would play for England... In the years to come, <laughs> Bryden Cass, amazing. I mean, he's got he's a he's a quick bowler primarily, but he scored runs. He's made a very good half century in the blast. I, I just think of some of those players. You know, they're into their thirties now. They would have thought their international aspirations had come to an end. I've just got this picture in my mind of them sitting down with a with a TV dinner with their wife or girlfriend, or maybe just putting the toddler to bed and thinking that uh, about, about taking the dog for a walk later on and suddenly the phone goes and they've been called up to play for England. Well, the likes of John, uh, John Simpson and, and, and David Penn, two guys, it's a reward. And I think it's a brilliant reward and fair play. You know, the guys have worked tirelessly hard to forge a good career. Gloucester in one-day cricket are fantastic. Um, Simpson's a very, very good, good gloveman. And it's a great reward, and it shows that you know, even at even at sort of you get to close to thirty, if you keep doing the right things, you get yourself in the right place, and you you put yourself in a, a position to be the best professional you possibly can. Then you you don't know what's round the corner, and I'd like to think both of them would get a game, you know, get an England cap, you know, they're going to get potentially get a cap to play for England. Um, and I think that's fantastic. Talk about Cass for me. Bryden Cass is the most is one of the most ex- exciting younger players that are out there at this moment in time. Along with the likes of Joe Clark, who unfortunately he's isolating on a different way, or he would have been in the squad. I think Cass has got something, and I think England need to see him. I'm looking at the squad, and I see I want to see Lawrence play very much. Though the way he plays Test match cricket, I think he's suited to the white ball game. And the interesting one in the squad for me, and I'm pleased he's in there because needs most in England need him, uh, is Zach Crawley. Uh, Zach Crawley has to play all three games. He has to play because I still think there's a, a position there in a test match for him. But you have to play him. There's no point bringing him out halfway through this game of county championships. You'll miss the next round of county championship games, which is the last one before you would probably think the test match starts in August. So if you're going to remove him from Red Bull game, which is something he needs at the moment, I think you have to play him in all these games and hope he can belt his way into a little bit of form. So they're the little, yeah, little conundrums that potentially the England selectors have got with one eye on what's happening now in the moment, and it's needs must, 
but also there's a couple of players that, that need cricket and game time and middle time for potential test match selection in five or six weeks' time. Just before we hear from England's director of cricket, Ashley Giles, uh, we should mention as well that Chris Jordan, Ollie Pope and Tom Banton would surely have made the squad of 17. Jordan and Pope are both injured, groin and thigh respectively. Tom Banton is also isolating. But the, there are two further omissions, which we'll talk about after we've heard from Ashley Giles. Um, no Sam Hain, who has one of the highest list A averages yeah. of all time for batsmen who average, who've played more than 50 innings. He averages just a shade under 60. Sam Hain didn't crack the nod. And no Alex Hales. More on that in a moment. Here's Ashley Giles. Just from the nature of what we were doing this year, playing all around the country, travelling a lot, uh, hotels weren't sole use, so we were sharing certain spaces within the hotels, but not key areas like eating areas. And given this variant, which is clearly more infectious, I'm not the expert on that, but it, it clearly is, the, the risks of us catching infection in the group were obviously going to go up. And we hoped, as I say yesterday morning, that we might have had a couple of positives and we could isolate them. But given the size of the, the spread within the group, um, the only thing to do was to to isolate the whole group and, and move forward with a completely different squad. What we've never questioned is Alex's ability. The reason he's, you know, he's absent from, from these teams previously for different reasons. And they're not, they're not things for us to get into now, I don't think, and not things for us to get into over the last 12 hours. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say on it. England's director of cricket, Ashley Giles, I don't know. Um, we've spoken a lot about Alex Hales. Um, Ashley Giles says that it's not the time to talk about it. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should take that cue, Army. We've. I mean, we've we've said a lot. We've spoken a lot. Um, Owen Morgan did say that the door wasn't closed. I suggested that it had very firm and rusty hinges if it wasn't exactly closed. But it does appear now that his England days are over. Yeah, it does. And you don't want to dwell too much on it because there's a, there'll be a lot of talk about heels in this, this you know, the lead up to the, the, the first ODI. And that's disrespectful to the players that are in the squad who are potentially going to make their debuts or to be hard for getting the experience of the first time. I thought the door was closed. In fact, I didn't think the door was there. I really didn't think the door was there for the simple fact, you know, when you had the likes of Roy Bairstow, Butler, Stokes, you know, big boys going at the top. Alex Hills is a wonderful player. Talent alone, he walks into the team, not a problem. Something's gone on that we don't know inside that they don't want to let us know. And it's and it's and it's Owen Morgan. And it's Owen Morgan. He he's decided that this team is better off without Alex Hills. So I think a conversation in the near future along the lines of Kevin Peterson and Sir Andrew Strauss, when Peterson thought he was coming back in, the door's closed. You either announce your retirement or we come out with a statement saying, look. Alex Hales has been a wonderful cricket for England. It's time to move on. We wish him all the best with Knots and his teams around the world, but the England cricket team will move in a different direction. Simple as that. Takes everybody out of the equation. You say well done to Hales and you move on. And you like guys the likes of... You mentioned Sam Hain. I thought I, I, he was one of the first ones that sprung to mind when I heard about this. But I think it was possibly because of the wicketkeeper situation, you have to bring Duckett in. And, the, and, and also, I think it was it was... Probably three in the selector's mind. It was three from it was two from three, and it was Hill. Uh, probably Sam Hain, Will Jacks, or and obviously Ben Duckett keeps wicket. So Duckett was in, and I think they've gone for Jacks just over over here. And, and I like what I see with young Jacks. I thought he, he batted really well on TV the other night, 
Um, he's a very explosive player. I think the boy boy's got a future. So the probably that is the conundrum because you've got Lawrence, because you've got Crawley and Stokes, bring in the experience and you need an experience of James Vincent, David Milan. Don't think there was just enough spots for 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 the young the, the Warwickshire inexperienced batsmen. So they've gone with with Jacks over here. And finally, two very quick questions. What would you say to those people who say that the value of an England cap has been lessened now by by this? And very quickly, if Darren Stevens was 25 and not 45, on form, would he have been in this squad? I think if he was 25 on form, he's in the squad. He's in the squad <laughs> because he takes away, he's been taking away kids and scoring runs. Uh, even at 45, I tell you what, I bet he wasn't far away. <laughs> because he's, he, his stats are just standing up. They stand up, stack up against anybody else in the country at this moment in time in a very, very poor Kent side. So I'm sure Steve-O would have been, would have been looking for his phone and waiting for the message. But now, unfortunately, Steve-O, it hasn't come. Um, the devaluing in the cap, I was a big one on that. Do not devalue the cap. Do not give them out willy-nilly. But unfortunately, we are in a position in the COVID world that we have to roll with the times and the way things is going. So I don't see this devalue in the cap. I really don't. Um, these guys, have, some of them are on the start of their career. There's a few on the end of their career, close at the end of their career, who is just reward for you know being very, very good professionals. Needs must at this moment in time. So that supersedes any devaluation of the England cricket cap. I say I'm particularly pleased for the likes of David Payne, John Simpson. You mentioned Absolutely. them as well. You know, that, that, that's just it's terrific. It's um, recognition for, for excellent, not just consistent careers, but form this season as well. We're still all digesting the news. Just a reminder that the entire England ODI squad has gone into isolation following seven positive COVID-19 cases in the camp. That's three players and four members of uh, the management and coaching staff. Everybody was deemed to be a close contact. The entire squad has gone into uh, isolation. Not entirely sure how long that will be for. But what, one thing that does come across very obviously, Harmy, is that there's no sense of panic. The medical protocols and, and um, professionals are all in place. Everybody seems to be quite calm about this. I mean, this is the most mental thing that's happened in cricket yeah. with a, a squad having to be picked 48 hours, um, a brand new squad being picked 48 hours before the first game. And yet, do you, do you agree? There is a sense of, of calmness uh, around the place. Yeah, I do. Um, I also, it, it helps when they're at home and there's a bigger pool to players to pick from. If this was Pakistan, then the series would certainly be off. I think it's a lot easier and you were in South Africa when England pulled out over a year ago, but I think we're, we're further down the road in understanding what this, this pandemic is. So yes, there's got to be flexibility. Yes, there is a, a, an element of calmness. I've known Ashley Giles for a long, long time. And, I, and I've said this many times on this show, I would trust Ashley Giles with my life. I really would. He is a, a, a very, very good, honest man, tells you it's straight and I think having Jarlow at the helm along you know as well before him of, of Sir Andrew Strauss two guys who don't panic under pressure really panic I'd imagine the, the big fellas ticket would have been going through the night last night trying to find out a solution and getting players in place and phoning county chief executives up to say right you're going to need three substitutes for tomorrow because I'm taking them three out of your team and them three out of them team but I think common sense has prevailed no cancellation cricket must go on 
you know, when you when you hear Ash speak and Tom Harrison as well, there is an element of calmness there. And uh, we are fortunate in this country. I think we've got two good men at the top of top of running our game. It's ironic in a sense because um, just a couple of days ago, Owen Morgan was talking about not rushing Ben Stokes and uh, Joss Butler back into international cricket. He said that uh, their focus, their main focus for this summer would be Red Bull cricket, the test series against India. But that was a very, very quick change of mind. This is what he said a couple of days ago. The last thing we want to do is, is rush somebody back um, and jump with the level of intensity from county cricket to international when there isn't necessarily a need. So happy, happy for Ben to just progress as as he sees fit and obviously with one eye on, on the test match series as well. So in Morgan uh, saying that Ben Stokes wouldn't be rushed back into international cricket. I must say when he said it at the time, my instant thought was, well, his fingers healed. He's played a couple of games. I'm pretty sure he'd love to be rushed back into international cricket. Yeah, I think I think as well. I think this was a, a put back into the we, we, we talked about this about four or five weeks ago at the end of the New Zealand series who would be available for the two four-day games that need four-day cricket. And I think Ben Stokes was one of the ones that possibly could do with the longer format of the game rather than the shorter format of the game, along with the likes of Dom Sibley, who got an absolute beauty yesterday off of Young Potts. What a ball that was, by the way, just taking it away. But it was, again, a, a dismissal from a bowler who would bowl it. It was like an international cricketer. You know, bowling a good ball outside off stump, Sibley nicked it. Crawley got done by Anderson. These guys needed, for me, they needed red ball cricket. Did Stokes need red ball cricket? Probably not, because I think Ben can, you know, he's experienced enough now to go in and come out and understand what the game is. But I think two four-day games under the radar would have done Ben Stokes the world of good, coming back into what is a a ridiculously pressurised situation. But needs a must, and he doesn't just come back as a player. I think this is an extreme circumstance. Possibly if it wasn't for the case of Ben Stokes had to come back as captain, leader of our country against Pakistan, then you might not have seen Ben come back. Joss is a little bit further down the line from an injury point of view, so he can't come back. But I think Ben coming back, he had to come back because he was captain. It was the most important thing that we had a leader at the top who had stature in the game, and that had to be Ben Stokes. So even though he he was looking at Red Bull, I think needs as Mustin and Owen Morgan was right to say what he did two days ago, but it shows the flexibility in the world now. You need to be you know, ready at a drop of a hat to come in and represent your country. And Ben's case, he's going to lead it. Absolutely. Um, the uh, Just to um, point out, there are lots of people, millions of people in England at the moment who are living largely normal lives. They've been vaccinated. Um, the public health spokesman the other day said that uh, masks would soon no longer be compulsory there'll be a lot of people saying like well there's a is this a, a lot of fuss being made about not much really with, with such a high vaccination rate it does mean that uh, if you contract the virus you're very very unlikely to be hospitalized so so there will be some people asking whether this is a, a, an overreaction but there are all sorts of things involved that we don't really know much about, like insurance, life insurance, you know, yeah. in, in, oh, broadcast deals, sponsorship. And you you just can't afford to take a risk, can you? So, so yes, it might seem like like uh, it's an overreaction, but, but rather that than you can't just carry on blasé and say, well, let's just get on with it. And, you know, you haven't got symptoms. Yeah, I, 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 there are. And, and the will people be rightly saying, you know what? Yeah, there is only so many people being you know positive tests and and all that but uh, they've also got to remember 
And this that'll be people rightly saying from the outside world. But then people have got to understand and rightly say, this is professional sport. This is top-level sport where the intensity's got to be high. We've seen two or three incidences recently in sport and it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a breathing difficulty when it comes to it. Your symptoms might not come on until you're out in the middle. And then all of a sudden, with the energy you're trying to give off, with the heat that's in the country, and well, not in the northeast at the minute, but in some places where it's very, very warm. It was, it was a warm one-day series against Sri Lanka. And if your symptoms come on mid-test match, and all of a sudden you're in the throes of what's, you know, whether a good spell of bowling or even in the field, yeah, then all of a sudden you are running the risk from a health point of view of making things a hell of a lot worse. So I think common sense has prevailed. I think we still have to be careful, especially when it comes to elite sport and making sure our players are well looked after because I can guarantee there'll be professional footballers out there, there'll be professional rugby players out there and professional cricketers out there who will possibly think they've had it or they have definitely had it because they've been tested and they're still what, three months, four months, five months after the event, still not feeling back to 100% because of the long COVID that goes with it. So we have to be careful in judging decisions that are made. They're not made on a whim. They are made with the best interests of the individuals who is it, who they're in charge of. So Ashley Giles and Tom Harrison aren't making this decision lightly. They're making it in decisions because they can, they can control what happens when the players are off the field. You can't control what happens when they're on the field. That's a player's. That's a, it's up to the player. But when they're off the field, they have to be a protecting ring around these players, and that comes from the top. And at the minute, common sense has prevailed. We've taken them all out, and then if we have to drip feed them back in because you know the, the negative tests are come and it's right for them to come back in, then so be it. Then there's the harder decisions down the line. But at this minute in time, I think the right decision has been made. I have a friend who's a professional swimmer who was asymptomatic, um, did his 10 days isolation, thought he was absolutely fine, got back in the pool um, to, and thought he could just resume training. And in his own words, he said he almost drowned. Mm. Um, you know, he suddenly uh, he was short of breath. He couldn't do the, the, the laps and put the, the hours in that he had been doing before he had it. Um, and he still didn't display any symptoms other than when he tried to push himself in the in the pool, which is not a place you want to be. No, exactly. Let's turn our attention now then to uh, the Pakistan squad. Um, what what can we expect from them? I've been uh, I've been frustrated for for years and years, thinking that uh, that that too many people um, uh, come up with the same old descriptions of Pakistan. Though they're mercurial and they're unpredictable, and they, you never know what you're going to get. But I mean, only a couple of months ago they were in uh, South Africa, and they were all of those things. They were squandering winning positions. They were 160 for one, chasing 220 in one of the ODIs and, um, and got home off the last ball. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. There's a lot of talent um, in this squad. There is some that is missing. Harris Sahail has been ruled out through injury. No Mohamed Amir. I mean, they've had some good results. They were expected to beat Zimbabwe. They beat South Africa comfortably, 3-1 in... Um, the T20s and 2-1 in the ODIs. Uh, but again, you know, they not only did they squander winning positions, but uh, they dragged themselves back from losing positions. Fakhar Zaman, the opener, made 193 um, in an in a ODI when you know, Pakistan were 200 for seven, chasing 340. So, so I know it's a cliche. and People say you don't know what to expect. But as with many cliches, there's a lot of truth in it. There are a lot of truth in it. And that is... 
that is Pakistan, unfortunately. It is. It's gone from even the days of Wakar and and, and Wazim when you had when they won the World Cup in, in 92. They were a, a team that were they were out the World Cup and then they won it in with, with, with the great Imran Khan. And then, you know, during my time, you know, the Inzaman and what Yunus, fantastic players. And you just thought, well, you know, we stay in the game, we've got a chance of winning because they'll, they'll give it to us. They'll make a mistake. I don't see this side has changed too much. I think they've got a little bit better in a little bit more stable. They look as though they're a lot more of a team of actually, actually a team rather than the team of very, very good player, individual players. The bowling attack is very good, very, very strong. Left armor in Shashin Afridi. Um, he is he is a, a, a fantastic bowler. They've got you know they've got talent, all round talent in the middle order. And and you mentioned Fakir Zaman at the top. He is dangerous. He is dangerous when he gets going. So it's not a not even to England's ear side. I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that England would comfortably sweep the board. I thought it would be a, it's going to be a lot the closer contest between Pakistan ball and England bat when you had the likes of Roy Bestow and Morgan Root everybody else. I think that is where the, the contest is. If England can bat well against the ball of Pakistan. Then I think even with a bowl that bowlers that England have got at their disposal in our own in their own back garden, I think that will will get England in a position to win the game. And I think a lot will hinge on on the big players, on the big players turning up. Hassan Ali in the middle order is a very very good batsman, but he's also a very very good bowler, dangerous batsman at the bottom of the order, and a very very good bowler. So he is one to watch out for. Um, but they're a good side. They are a good side. It's the next level up from Sri Lanka in competition that England need going forward. And look out for Fahim Ashraf as well. Genuine yes. all-rounder. Very, very fine player. And um, he may not live up to the heights of uh, his father, who was one of the all-time greats, Abdul Qadir. But uh, I really do like the look of Usman Qadir. And I think yeah. he could uh, make a, a long and, and successful international career for himself. So... Just a reminder, England's ODI series gets underway on Thursday in Cardiff. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And next up, we'll be joined, hopefully, live from Colombo by the Sri Lanka head coach, Mickey Arthur. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's not beat about the bush. It was not a great success uh, for Sri Lanka in England. They managed to uh, take some points home, only thanks to the rain. Uh, But... um, we spoke to Mickey Arthur uh, shortly after touchdown back in Colombo. Uh, and I, I put it to him that it's going to, going to take a long time because uh, far from settling for moving the furniture around when he took over as head coach, he decided on a complete refurbishment uh, of the national team. And he admits it won't be an easy process. Mickey, thanks so much for joining us. I know you've only just touched down in uh, Colombo. Let's not beat about the bush. As far as results were concerned, it was not a good tour. No, it wasn't, man. It's a, in fact, it's probably one of the toughest tours I've been on in my 12 years as an international coach, just from a sense that there was just so much going on around the tour. You know, there was obviously still been the standoff between the board and the players around contracts, which hasn't been resolved yet. So not wanting to make an excuse around that. There was a lot of instability, instability there. We took a very, very young squad, a squad that we wanted to build with, you know, in the next couple of years. But the three batsmen central to that, unfortunately, went walkabout in Durham and we lost our number one, four and five. So that that didn't help either. So it was um, it was really tough. You know, the positives I take out of it, I thought Kussel Janath led, led the team very, very well in very trying times. Uh, and I thought our bowling attack, our quick bowling attack predominantly was what was, was fairly good, which, which was great because we know we've got the spinners but to see some of our quicks come through was uh, was really really exciting. And Mickey, with India around the corner, can you can you really feel as though we left Colombo with a group of young players and we've landed back at Colombo? Yes, there's a few trials and tribulations along the way. We were better for the experience of being in England because of the bowlers that got to bowl at the best in the world. And the batsmen, well, you're at Cardiff, you're at Chester Street, you've got Mark Wood bowling 93 mile an hour. It doesn't get any harder than that, to be fair, does it? No, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't, Harmi. You, you, you're right with that. And, and I think everything that went around in terms of our preparation, the, 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 the way we worked off the field, and, and that's one of the dilemmas as a coach, is, is you know, trying to get the players to, to transfer, transfer their weight 
their performances in in the nets out into the middle. And um, I was really, really excited and very upbeat around around the way we practiced and away the, around the way we trained. I thought the guys certainly developed their games. When they got out to the middle, it was a little bit of a case of, uh, oh, here we go again. We're facing these guys. Clearly, they hadn't faced guys like that in those conditions before. Um, but they will they'll definitely be be better for the experience and they'll they'll understand how to handle the pressure so much better now. And go and and, and go and just go back to the to the series and you know the, it was a, a, a tough and trying time for you say for Schwanker and results point of view. But the positives that come out of this going forward with you know, hopefully you bring your your three players back into the group with India around the corner. They've got to have you know, yeah, you know, the the experiences and the learning curves that you have in England, it's it's a different it's a different tour than any other tour because you're bussing around the country. COVID doesn't help, but you're learning to play on different surfaces. Cardiff's different to Chelsea Street. Chelsea Street's different to the Oval. Surely that has got to be good for Schwanking cricket. You've summed it up perfectly there, Harmi. It, it's playing for a full team like Sri Lanka, and and it was always for the subcontinental teams was going out of their environments. We know we're competitive in our own environments because our batsmen are used to the pace. They're used to the, the bounce or lack of bounce. So their games are tailor-made around that, particularly our young players. We know that we're very competent and very good in our spin bowling department. So, so we, can, we can formulate a game plan in these conditions which, which, which will, will keep us competitive. It's how, we, it's how we play outside of the country. And I, and I think for our young group, of players, um, for them to go out of Sri Lanka and face the world champions and a, and a very, very good bowling attack at that will we'll, we'll put them in good stead going forward, without a doubt. It's just something that from the, the, you mentioned about players getting better. Is it game management? Is it, you know, they talk about the finer points of being able to bowl spin or being able to face, you know, the quick bowlers or bowl, bowl at the top, top players. But is it simply... Chuck them in there and understand game management because I thought, you know, there were positive signs for Sri Lanka, but the game management side of it was something that potentially wasn't quite there. One hundred percent right, and game management was the one area that was so lacking. Um, so we would sit down and review after every game, particularly for our young players. What do you do in a situation when you got Mark Wood running in at you and you're two down for not many? Do you give yourself that that chance? How, how do you go about constructing your innings? in that situation. So we did a lot of that and, and game awareness was clearly lacking. And, and, and that was one of the aspects that we really, we really picked up on, Harmi, was, um, what was, was just how to manage tough situations for, for those guys and what the expectation is around those situations and how you handle them. And I, and I, and I think that that was also really positive from a, from a sense that it, You've got to understand, we've got 26 first-class clubs here in uh, Sri Lanka. These We're teaching the boys the essence of first-class cricket at international level, which, which, which takes two or three years to teach them. Um, anyway, you know, we don't get the finished product. We're actually doing the coaching and doing all the work around technical, around mental, and around game awareness and game management at international cricket, which makes it so much difficult or so much more difficult for, for the players to grasp. That's why experiences like we've just had are, are fundamental in the growth of, of, of our young players. 
Nikki, I know you're heading uh, <clears throat> heading home after a long journey. Just three quick things from me. Harmi mentioned about the three players coming back. I read that they were facing a long suspension from, from international cricket. Uh, secondly, have you heard about England uh, losing their entire ODI squad for the Pakistan series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, let me to handle the first one. I know there's a disciplinary panel that's been set up, and 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 I, I think those players are, are, will get a severe penalty. What that what that is, I, I don't know. I've seen one year of being muted, and it's you know, it almost kind of reminds you of the sand, sandpaper gate where where, where you, you crash to the lowest to the lowest point and then try and build it up again. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. Um, Obviously, we're really keen to get one, four, and five back as soon as possible uh, with a 2020 World Cup in mind. And in terms of England, yes, I, I, I felt we, we had to divert to India on our way back because we, we lost fuel. And when I, when I landed in India, I switched my phone on and I had a couple of messages from Wayne Bentley, who, was, uh, who, who updated on the situation. And, and now, you know, that was a really nerve-wracking time for all of us because we've arrived here. We haven't been allowed to enter our rooms without the result of a, of a rapid rapid antigen test, which luckily I think most of our squad have got through. We've done another PCR where the results come out tomorrow because at the end of the ODR, and uh, when was that? It feels like just, oh, it was yesterday, no, not yesterday, the day before. Um, at the end of that ODR, there was a fair amount of banter between the two teams and there was there was quite a lot of chat and quite a lot of talk. So it did uh, it did bring about some anxious times and, I think that's just the way it is, man. As going forward, COVID, COVID's here to stay, and we know we travelled with twenty-four players. I mean, where on earth would you ever think of travelling with twenty-four players? So um, it's it's just a fact of life, and I feel so desperately sorry for that England team because they're a hell of a good cricket side at the moment, and and they were on a roll and they're playing well and they just they just looked the part. For them to have to go and self isolate now is really really tough. And then the cheeky part of me said, geez, why couldn't we play against the 18 that have just come in? <laughs> and finally, Mickey, the India is playing England in five test matches. And so a lot of people think, well, it's a B team in Sri Lanka. My goodness me. You look at that team. It's an IPL All-Star 11. A hundred percent. We call it, we, we've coined them the Galacticos. They've, uh, yeah. they, 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 you know, you go through the, the Pandya brothers, Shikadaw and Bhaveshna Kumar, Chul, Kuldeep Yadav, Prithvi Shaw. Uh, Sivarama Kumar, yeah, uh, Manish Pandey. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's absolutely endless. Uh, it's a, it's a world-class team and, you know, it's a, it's going to be another wonderful opportunity and challenge for, for our young group of players. Thanks so much for your time, Mickey. It's great to talk as always. Cheers, always Mickey. a pleasure. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Harmi. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. You know, over 200 bowlers in the history of cricket have taken a 1,000 first-class wickets. But we're talking different era. I mean, eons ago, decades, centuries ago. And most people believe that he'll be the last. Yeah, I was just about to say that, Manners. Yeah, I was just about to say that, Manners. I think he will be the last. I don't think anybody else will get to a 1,000 first-class wickets. I think there's quite a few of the the older guard playing first-class cricket at the minute. Like the likes of Rushworth and uh, and one or two others, they're not, they're nowhere near getting to a thousand. I think a thousand a lot of wickets nowadays compared to what it was before, and they're reducing the amount of first class cricket we play. Play fourteen games this year, it'll be reduced again in a couple of years, I would imagine. Um, so 
What more can you say about the greatest player, the bowler that's ever played the game of cricket in my eyes? He is, he's a great lad. Um, I was there when he made his debut. Quiet lad, came in a dressing room, said absolutely nothing. Not a great deal. And, you know, he's having the best time of his life while saying nothing, just by just sitting there. And even now he doesn't say say a great deal. You you get you get a few you get a few shandies into him, and you can't shoot him up after a while. But he's got a great sense of humour. He is I can't speak highly enough of of, of James Anderson and of Stuart, um, but of Anderson. One thousand first class wickets is a ridiculous achievement. Fifty one fifers. You're sick of saying nice things about him because every every time he goes on the field, he does something either either special in performance or he breaks another record, or he goes past something else. I don't think anybody else, seam-wise, will get 600 test match wickets. I don't think oh, Stuart possibly could, but that'll be the last two. I don't see anybody else outside that, and I, I can't see anybody getting to 1,000 first-class wickets. And the way he did it, right, Manners? Watched it yesterday, the way he did it. You put India's top six out there, whether you go Shubman Gill, Rohit Sharma, Pajara, Kohli, Rahane, Pant. He would have had seven for 19 against India yesterday. <laughs> these were these were balls in the area of Jimmy Anderson corridor. Jimmy Anderson corridor. Yes, the conditions were favourable. Pitch is probably nowhere near up to the test match standard that, you know, because of the rain that was around before. But I tell you what, some of them balls you were watching, they were swinging round corners. You know, they were setting off just over middles, probably setting off pitching, middle, middling off, and taking the outside edge and making batsmen play. And probably the reason why he went for 19 is because they, they couldn't hit his good ones. And he was having to bowl a little bit fuller and potentially going out a third man every now and again for four. The, the man has got ridiculous talent. He's got an unbelievable appetite and ability to want to get better. And I've said this, and I've been criticised for saying it, about him and Stuart. They're the best two we've got in this country in these conditions. And there's nobody telling me and nobody showing me why I need to change my opinion. I can't. And I'm not, and, and, oh, you're biased because you played with them too when they first came in. You're biased because, you know, they took over from you and Hoggy when they first come in. I said, I know, but you tell me who's bowling better than them two in English conditions with one of these balls consistently. No answer, no argument. They're the best that we've ever had. And Jimmy's the best for me that this game's ever produced. I spoke to Dale Stain a little earlier today and asked him whether he would uh, come on air to pay tribute to Jimmy. And he said, I'm... Sorry, I've got a surfing date because um, he, uh, he's um, that's what he spends all his time in the ocean surfing these days. But he said, please do just say that uh, I think he's the best of all time. I was looking back at um, Jimmy Anderson's career in his wickets. He, as you know, his very first wicket was Ian Ward, caught by Warren Hegg. And I yeah, thought Warren Hegg. Hegg was Lancashire's wicketkeeper when I started my broadcasting career in 1988. <laughs> I, I keep, we keep taking the mickey out of Chucky for that and say you, but, uh, great guy another another fantastic Lancastrian good guy um, and you know, just shows you how long Jimmy's gone on for Jimmy has the people that players that Jimmy have played with you know, and, and, and Heggie was Heggie was still playing at the time it is these numbers are frightening talking of those numbers um, of the 1,002 wickets 161 were Ducks but 500 out of a thousand and two scored less end. <laughs> that tells you that tells you how hard it is to press Anderson. That that tells you how hard because he's relentless. He's very difficult to get started against because not only is he so accurate and he's on you, but he can move the ball in both 
both ways. And he has you question your technique. I've said this many, many times on this platform and, and all platforms. For me, he is the best exponent of anybody having a weakness in their technique. First class, yes, you'll take millions of wickets. But the, 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 I think the invention of 2020 and the, and the way the white ball game has played now has just moved the game, the goalposts, even closer towards Jimmy Anderson being brilliant. Because all these techniques of picking bats up high, looking to hit the ball, wanting to hit the ball hard and out the park, you have a little bit of a, a little chink in your technique when you face the red ball because of the way they play the white ball. And if you come against Jimmy Anderson and you're not quite on it, game's over. Game is over. Peter Siddle um, is his biggest bunny. He's been dismissed by Jimmy 11 times. But in second place, it's quite a trio. Sachin Tendulkar, Michael Clark, and David Warner. Nine times have fallen to uh, Jimmy Anderson. And I'm going to finish with a little trivia question for you, Harmi. Um, 617 wickets for England, 339 for Lancashire, 44 for England 11s. Comes to exactly 1,000. He's got 1,002. Which were, the, which were the other two for? The other two, I do know this. I do know this. Um, and I didn't have to look it up. I did know this. He was out in New Zealand. I think we were out in New Zealand and he needed a, a few overs extra. And he got a game for Auckland, I think it was. And he got two wickets for Auckland um, in a, in a first-class match, which was, a, I think it was to prove his fitness to get him ready for a, for a test match. So I did know that one, Manners. Good on you. As always, we're running out of time. Fortunately, Jimmy Anderson isn't. He seems to. He seems to like he can go on till he's well past forty. Um, there but, was no, saying that man is there was a there was a very very funny. I think it was a, a Twitter and Instagram post from Stuart Broad. Two of them high fiving each other as they're taking a wicket in their one day kit, and Stuart was just asking Jimmy the polite question: "Have you still got your one day cap?" I think they might have been looking for a call-up, to be fair. <laughs> and who would have argued? Can you imagine that? Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad and Darren Stevens in the same England team down at Cardiff against Pakistan. What a trio that would have been. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. A couple of items we have to get through. Um, big shout-out to uh, England women beating India 2-1 in their yeah. uh, ODI series. And also, um, Ollie Robinson, free to return to professional cricket. Uh, he was given an eight-game ban five of which were suspended um, and he's obviously already sat out the three. So he's, he's um, free to, to return. I was touched by Moen Ali speaking out in uh, support of, of Ollie mm. Robinson. Um, the eight game ban, I don't know whether it's worth, uh, you know, revisiting whether you think that that was harsh or not for, for, for tweets that he sent um, almost a decade ago, but he, but he's back. And, um, and, and that's, that's a, that's a good thing. Is that now water under the bridge? I hope so. I hope it is water under the bridge for Ollie Robinson. You'll have people out there and, you know, whether they've got claims, they probably do have that. They would like a harsher sentence. Are we are we really coming down on, on people who are you know, making comments like this? But it was a long time ago. I would like to just to think that we could move on different times, different circumstance, wrong context of what you said and the way you went about it. But... I think he needs, he educated himself and he's a better human for this now. And it's something that's going to stick with him for the rest of his career. He's got no, there's no way around that. That is what he's going to be labelled as by some people, some quarters. But at the end of the day, I think it's the right thing for him to get his career back on track. Um, and it's just another selection dilemma for the India series coming up. So it's uh, 
A fight for a place in the first division. The Remember the 18 counties that are divided at the moment into three conferences. And the top two from each will go into the first division, which plays four more games um, for the chance to compete for the Bob Willis Trophy. So uh, keep your eyes out uh, for that. Looks uh, good for Lancashire and Yorkshire to uh, to be in that uh, first division, but um, we won't know. But Don Bess uh, took seven for, for, for Yorkshire against North Ant. So, Harmy, um, we'll raise one to Jimmy. Absolutely. And, uh, and cheers to him and cheers to you too. Cheers, manners. That's, uh, that's Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week. So until then, thanks for listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.